Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Always Never Right podcast, a podcast for Gen Xers who are getting to middle age and are just wondering how the fuck that happened. Kind of like how the fuck is it September? I'm Phil Farrell. And I'm Gina Biggs, and I'm also boggling about September. Um, But moving on, um, tonight is a topic that we thought would be super fun, but admittedly, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. (laughs) True, you didn't. We were talking about disaster films, and by that, meaning not necessarily films about disasters, but films that were disasters, um, but in the best possible way. It's our first genre-specific film discussion, and I had no idea. I kind of had an inkling, but I didn't know the extent, kind of like she didn't know the extent of my geekiness um, early on. I did not know the extent of her super fanness of disastrous movies. So this is going to be very interesting. But let's first blow it all up by talking about our drinks. What are we having tonight, Calamity Jill? Well, tonight we are kind of honoring a particular sub-genre of disaster films. And we're drinking the Shark Bite. We originally kind of talked about this and thought it would pair nicely with Sharknado because that's like the type of disaster film we're talking about. But as I started thinking about it, we couldn't really leave out films like The Meg, which was just out this summer, which I personally liked. Everybody else thought was hilarious. And I liked it because it was hilarious. Um, Jaws, the mother of all shark disaster movies. So with that said, it's a blue drink with a drizzle of grenadine blood on the top, which is a little nasty if you think about it, but whatever tastes delicious. White rum, spice rum, blue carousel, simple syrup, lime juice, and then that drizzle of grenadine on top. We did put the the recipe up on our website, alwaysneverwrite.com, as always, so you can make it too. What do you think about this? It's um, it's definitely strong, but it's kind of kick ass. I was kind of this. I was kind of disappointed because all my grenadine automatically floated to the bottom, so it just looked like whoever whoever died had really really heavy blood. I was able to get it to drip if you just put in very very tiny drips, and then it kind of just down to the bottom, and then then it makes it turn from this beautiful like serene cerulean blue color to like navy blue kind of purpley navy blue but it still tastes good so whatever man <laughs> yes that's the important part uh and what was funny i didn't tell you how i came up with this did i because no. i'm gonna give a sh- i'm gonna give a shout out to um another podcast i listen to which is getting ready to change to a different podcast but the mullins media group um they have a chat room that I was in and for the former hillbilly horror house, which is winding up and they're getting ready to go into, I believe it's called twisted dimensions. Oh, uh, I was in there and just out of nowhere yesterday, I said, anyone know a good rum drink? And someone in there suggested the shark bite. And I was all, Ooh, and I Googled it and I'm like, fucking winner, winner, chicken dinner. Cause oh. I know a theme that would go with this too, which I'm not usually the one who comes up with the theme. So I was very, very proud of myself. I was very proud of you too. And the minute you suggested that, I was like, oh yes, that's perfect. I love it. She jumped on that fucker so fast. Oh, damn. (laughs) I just was like, yes, that's my jam. That's my total jam. I love that idea. And I know you say it's not totally just typical disaster movies, but for me, it's disaster movies. Like, so basically, as far as I'm concerned, there are just a few genres of of like disaster movies like there's the shark 
slash ocean movie. I mean, there's like, think about it. There's that one with Blake Lively where she was in the shallow water and couldn't get to shore. The shallows, yeah. Couldn't get to shore. There's all kinds of shark movies like The Meg. That was amazing. Plus, Jason Stratham. I mean, come on, man. Sign me up for any movie where there's like a super handsome dude. Oh, no Um, shit. And my my favorite ones, though, are the ones that are kind of bad that end up not um, being at theaters. Like, I think they're usually made for TV or made for a particular network or something. I love those movies. Like, well, Sharknado is a perfect example. Like, the very first Sharknado when it came out was supposed to be, like, a serious disaster movie. But it was so kitsch that everybody loved it and embraced the kitsch. And so finally Sharknado was just like, eh, let's just be that. And so they just <laughs> embraced the kitsch train, like, totally afterwards. And it may have been Sharknado. I think it was. But I still remember when you lived in that little house and you had, like, nine months worth of laundry stacked oh, up. and it was so bad. And I came to visit, and you're like, hey, let's watch a bad movie while we fold laundry. And you know me with laundry. I was all, fuck yes. So visit. (laughs) (laughs) There's like, there's a couple other genres of movies. There's movies with ice things. And then there's avalanche, avalanche, fire things. There's fire movies. There's tornado movies, all different kinds of tornadoes. Um, And then earthquake movies. Like there's all of these different things, but ocean movies would also include like tsunami movies, like killer wave and things like that. Every once in a while, there's also like the comet movies. Like there's a big comet happening and we have to save the world. Pretty much any movie where the answer is going to be a nuke, sign me up for the movie. I will watch it. Like there was a movie that I watched when I get sick. This is what I like to do. I like if I'm sick and I'm just home and I'm like, I feel terrible and I need everybody to leave me alone and I just want to be sick and lay in bed and be sick, I will watch the shit out of some disaster movies. And I will find all the worst ones you could possibly watch. And I was really thrilled to find out that you can go on IMDb and Google like shitty disaster movies on IMDb. (laughs) It'll pull them up. And you can like add it to my playlist, add it to my playlist, add it to my playlist. And it goes on your Amazon Prime. And I'm like, yes, queen, I'm totally doing that. Now I've got this whole list of really good movies to watch, some that I've watched before, some that I haven't. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch that. Like, there was a movie I watched a few years ago when I had the flu. And it was starring Lou Diamond Phillips, who's in a lot of these. Lou Diamond Phillips, Greg Evigan, a lot of those like third or fourth tier stars. Yes, you totally spit-taked on Greg Evigan. So this one is called Metal Tornado. Holy shit. And basically what happened is there was this company who was trying to solve the world's energy crisis by gathering and transmitting energy from solar flares. Okay. Oh, very quickly, because this is all about me, and I thought of myself, of course, so I have to say this very quickly. Um, if anyone's wondering about my sound quality again, I apologize. I'm still working on getting my um, technology um, upgraded, and it will be better. But for now, I am talking on a $5 headset microphone set I got from Walmart today. Um, not willingly going to Walmart, except there were things I could only fucking get at Walmart, and that always makes me resent life. But I digress. So anyway, so I apologize for my sound quality. But yes, 
metal fucking tornado. Yeah, metal tornado. Now I know you're gonna be like, you gotta do the willing suspension of disbelief highly in these movies, and especially you, because (laughs) I'm gathering and transmitting the energy from solar flares. So the scientists are like, "Uh, I don't really think this is a good idea, and the company's like, No, we're gonna try this anyway. And so what happens is there's this free-range magnetic vortex that gets unleashed from the electricity that's collected from this solar flare. And they thought they had it contained in this, like, barbed wire fence, but they didn't, and it got loose, and it started getting loose, and it was collecting all the metal from, like, cars and tractors and stuff like that. And so all the metal was getting scooped up into this, so this tornado with all of these, like, razor-sharp farm implements and shit was, you know, like, barreling across the plains and heading for Chicago or something like that. And, of course, the only way to solve it was a nuke. And so they had to fix it. And they had to go know how to tornado. They had to (laughs) fighter and, like, shoot a nuclear weapon into it, and it was awesome. It was so good. Okay. It was, like, the shittiest movie. It was so good. Oh, my Lord, they don't know how to fucking tornado. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Go ahead. Did, I, did I tell you about the tornado I was in? Yes, you've you've mentioned it to me, but I don't know if you've told our friends. Okay, so this was the craziness, and, and I I've seen many tornadoes because I I grew up in the Midwest on a farm, so tornado haven. Anyway, tornado haven. So when I was um, like when I was young, my brother still lived at home, but he and I were the only ones who still lived at home. A tornado actually went by the farmhouse. And um, it got very close. My mom panicked. We had a two-bedroom house or a three-bedroom house. Two of the bedrooms were upstairs. So my brother and I were across the hall from each other at the top of the stairs. Mom comes pounding up the stairs as best as her arthritic little legs could carry her. And she started banging on both of our doors at the same time going, wake up, wake up. And we're like, what the hell, mom? So she's trying to get us to the storm cellar. So we didn't have a basement at the time. We had a storm cellar. And um, she's banging on the doors. We make it halfway down the stairwell when the tornado hits the house. Um, And then it somehow curved around the house and up and then off to the rest of the farms. We went outside. We discovered the only damage that had been done was a horse shed was was destroyed. Our fertilizer trailer was knocked partially sideways. Our outhouse was completely decimated and the ducks that were inside it, because we didn't use the outhouse anymore, um, the ducks inside it were, that were nesting inside it were dead. And it had sucked the windows off my bedroom and put the windows unbroken on the lawn. How fucked up is that? The crazy shit that t- tornadoes do. I remember one time when we lived in Oklahoma, there was a tornado that came through and there was a story on the news about a tornado that had gone through this lady's house and basically tore the entire house down everything except for there was one kitchen cabinet left standing and on that kitchen cabinet where she had just unloaded her groceries was an unbroken jar of pickles it's messed up it's so weird like what how did that not get blown away yeah well you know (laughs) there was another really awesome tornado movie it was i think it was called i want to say it was called like ice twisters so here's the situation. Oh my Lord. There was this guy who was a scientist and then he started being a science fiction author and then he was caught because something was happening. And what happened was 
this huge, there was like a storm layer that was coming and it was actually punching holes in the mesosphere and allowing these instant blasts of freezing cold air to come down and they swirled around and they would literally freeze people instantly because the air was so cold because it was literally from outer space like it would smother them and freeze them instantly and then it would just go away so there'd be like summer in new york and people are walking around being hot and sweaty and then all of a sudden there'd be this like boom arctic blast crazy burst of air and then there's like all these people frozen to death right there in the middle of the city so that was a cool one the answer was a nuke by the way of course it was. It's always a nuke. Oh my lord! You know what? I was in summer. Uh, I was in New York one summer, and I kind of would have welcomed being frozen. You know, spot frozen. It would have been awesome. You would have died. These people all died. I almost died anyway. Yeah. Well, that's just because it's New York. Yeah. True. Anyway. <laughs> so, are you disaster movie e? I, I do love me some good disaster movies. Um, one of my favorites, quite frankly, is a really dumb one. And I had to pull it up here because it's been a while since I've looked at it. And it's hilarious. Um, it's from the late 70s and it's called Avalanche. And they actually got Rock Hudson and Mio, Mia Farrow into this dumb I shit. remember no. that one. That was a good one. See my first <laughs> Exposure to these kind of movies was when I was a kid and we got to watch all of those. Right? I know. Although I will admit probably the first one I remember is Airplane, which I don't think entirely qualifies as a disaster. Nah, it doesn't count, but it was good. But it was really good. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite jokes is still, man, I picked the wrong day to quit sniffing glue. And- <laughs> <laughs> see, in the, same, in the same tornado thing, though, there was mm-hmm. the atomic twister. Did you see that one? I do not remember Atomic Twister. You know, I'm feeling woefully unprepared for this whole episode. But now, see, that was Sharon Lawrence. Remember her? She was the girlfriend of what's his name on NYPD Blue. Like she was way hotter than him. Oh, Dennis yeah. Franz. She was Dennis Franz's girlfriend. Yeah. And guess who else? Mark Paul Gosseler. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. So there's a bunch of tornadoes, and one of them hits the nuclear power plant. <laughs> Nukes are still so involved. Well, yep. And so all the pumps fail and the reactor overheats and the coolant in it evaporates the waste pool and it exposes the nuclear act the, like the radioactive material and they have to like try to figure out how to shut down the reactor and you know people are trapped and it's like a, firemen's are spraying water into the pool and all of that stuff and I don't actually think I don't actually think it's a nuke that fixes it because oh. you know, it's already radioactive. Um, if I remember correctly, they are able to restart the pump, but somebody has to like crawl up in there, like go all kinds of Captain Kirk on it, and then they end up dying of radiation poisoning or something. But the heroic person finally fixes it. Of course. So that's a thing. <laughs> all right. So so I do have a quick question to ask. Would you consider because I I this does tie into something that occurred to me, I, I swear to God, and they Good. are connected. Would you consider Anaconda and Deep Blue to be sure. disaster films? Yeah, they would go okay. with the they would go in the water versions because Anaconda, that's why I'm around in water. Okay. So I have to um, forgive me a quick second. I have to remember what um, Jennifer Lopez was in Anaconda. I know she wasn't. And, and here's the thing. 
You remember how when we were kids and every horror movie that ever existed, it was always the people who had sex and the minorities who would die first, right? Yeah. So Anaconda followed by Deep Blue were what drew me to what I now call um, the ice cube rule. And that's, yeah, because if there's a black rapper in the movie, they'll be the ones who don't die. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because uh, Deep Blue, we have LL Cool J, who kicked yeah. ass in that movie, frankly. Yes. And Ice Cube and Anaconda. And I was like, oh, you know what? I remember even at the time in the late 90s going, oh, well, thank God the black guy didn't die for a change. Um, yeah. It was kind of cool. But I call it the Ice Cube Rule, Ice Cube Rule to this day. It's a good rule. It is. Will Smith, you count him. Got to count him for that. Oh, yeah. Like, Independence you could Day. probably put Independence Day in this, although it, it wouldn't go in the bad disaster movies. It would go in, like, a good disaster movie. True. I mean, any movie where – I know I've said that I used to work in um, economic development, but I see these shows sometimes, and, like, the whole community is devastated. And I also worked for the Red Cross, and, I, and the only thing I think of is, like, who the fuck's going to clean all that up? <laughs> I know. I had to clean up after so many parades and stuff like that. I will say, though, if as we're talking about um, people who are in these movies, one of the mainstays is a Baldwin. If there's a Baldwin, it's going to be okay. And most of the time, it's going to be Steven. Steven's yes. a lot of these. There were two movies back in, like, the early 2000s. One was called Earthstorm, and one was called Darkstorm. And Stephen Baldwin was in both of those, and in neither one did he play the same character as the other movie. So they were like, it wasn't like they were like the part two or anything. So Earthstorm was first. So this was an asteroid movie. So that's the asteroid disaster, right? Mm. And so, but this one's a little different because this one, the asteroid actually hits the moon, which causes the moon to have some problems and change tides and there's all kinds of stuff that happens and it's it creates problems on the earth and the scientists realize that the moon structure is now unstable and pretty soon it's going to start flying off and hitting the earth so um stephen baldwin who happens to be a demolition man <laughs> is solution in this one but guess what reminds guess me what of something guess what he uses what's he use oh wait and no it's a, nuke. it's a nuke small ones but it's a nuke Damn. and then and then i i knew you weren't gonna get to talk much on this one so then there's dark okay. storm. then there's dark storm. dark storm and yeah dark storm is um a war crimes but it's all about like the danger around like what happens when there's a natural disaster during war. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay. Okay. I don't think so how did you that one though? Um, so I need to go back for a minute to the asteroid films. Okay. The question on. Okay, maybe everybody's mine. Mostly my mind. So fuck it. I'm the one here. Y'all aren't. Um. Which one did you did, which one was the better movie and which one did you like better? Deep Impact or Armageddon? Well, Armageddon had Bruce Willis in it and I liked him a lot. Mm. 
Plus Ben Affleck was also in it. Right? Steve Buscemi. Yeah. Yeah. But Steve Buscemi was also a dick in that one, but he was always is a dick in the movies. Yeah. Um, I think I liked that one better, but I liked them both. You know, they both came out the same year. Like that's that whole trend of like, right now we like medical shows right now. We like doctor shows right now. We like law shows right now. We like comic shows. So, um, I think both of those were good. It was good that they had those nice big box office draw on those. There was one, I think, that came out the same year called Future Shock Comet, um, oh. about a comet that actually hit Ireland. That was a good one. Ooh, that is a good one. Plus, I, they mean, talk I haven't seen Irish. it, but it sounds good. They say <laughs> Irish words. <laughs> I love Irish stuff. Yeah, they just use their Irish accents, and it's just so cute. Yeah, it's adorable. So around that same time, okay, what is your thought of... I can't even remember the names of them anymore. Oh, wait, I remember the name of one of them. Dante's Peak with Pierce Bronson, or other volcano movie with Tommy oh, Lee Jones. Oh, yeah. Dante's Peak and the Tommy Lee Jones one. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably watched Dante's Peak more because Pierce Brosnan was a hottie. I always liked him, like, even in Remington Steel. Oh, I know, right? Oh, my gosh. So I probably went with that one. Although Tommy Lee Jones, what was his? Hold on. Let me look. Yeah, what was the name of that? I, I, I suck because I went automatically to look up something else for a future discussion. Because I'm awful. I'm looking. Probably called Volcano or something like that. No, I mean. His was called Volcano. <laughs> You're right. I called it. It was called Volcano. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, I liked I liked Dante's Peak better. Plus, it was a little more poetic of a name. Yeah, it was a little less self-explanatory. <laughs> it's about a volcano. <laughs> but you know, those all take you to the fire fire movies. You know, like um, the Towering Inferno from the seventies. Yes. What was Charlton Heston in that one? I yes, of course he was. Charlton Heston, was. when he wasn't being a Bible burner, he was a building burner. Oh, but I'm bumped. Well, right. played. Uh, that's as tasty a joke as Toilet Green. Ew. I no. stretch for that. Bye. That was yucky. Okay. I, that's yucky. But I made an effort, and I get points for effort. That's a solid C minus. D plus. Okay. I didn't fail. It wasn't a fail. It was a D plus. <laughs> okay. I'll take it. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So I do want to throw one movie out there. It's kind of post-apocalyptic more than disaster, but it remains one of my favorite movies of all time because it's not only involves disasters, but it's disastrous, but it's so much fun. Hell Comes to Frogtown. I don't think I've seen that one. Oh my gosh! Is it about okay. frogs? No, no. It well, kind of, sorta. Um, yeah, kind of, sorta, actually. But it's starring Roddy Roddy Piper. This is one of those. Um, oh. There, there was a period in the '80s when Mom was working again, which is her happy place. But she would still get frustrated with people she worked with. So her solution to that was, let's watch a bad movie, and I will put the faces of the people I'm pissed at on everyone getting killed in the film. So I saw tons of shit I probably shouldn't have seen at that age, like Conan the Destroyer and all kinds of stuff. Sure. 
one of them was Hell Comes to Frogtown. And um, it was, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm just going to read the description of it to you because I cannot do it justice in my own description. Okay. Um, Hell is the name of the hero of the story. And this is from IMDb, credited to Rob Hartill, because I don't want to get sued. I want to give credit where credit's due. Hell is the name of the hero of the story. He's a prisoner of the women who now run the USA after a nuclear biological war. Results of the war are that mutants have evolved and the human race is in danger of of extinction due to infertility. Hell is given the task of helping in the rescue of a group of fertile women from the harem of the mutant leader who resembles a frog. Hell cannot escape since he has a bomb attached to his private parts, which will detonate if he strays more than a few hundred yards from his guard. (laughs) That sounds like Zardoz. It kind of does, but it was way better because it knew it was stupid as fuck. Zardoz was horrible. Zardoz was really horrible. I still have, and I I used to love Sean Connery, and I still have nightmares about that fucking red diaper get up. That was so bad. And the ponytail. Yeah, the ponytail. What the hell were they thinking? No, Roddy Roddy Piper wore it better. Anyway. That whoever ever, like just in one, your sentence just now that Rowdy Roddy Piper wore something better than Sean Connery is just like, I don't even think that should be allowed. It shouldn't, but yeah, here we are. Indeed. Anyway, mutant frogs. Thank you very much. So what about, okay, so in the 70s, um, and I I apologize, but this just so popped to me, so I'm derailing a slight bit. But in the 70s, all the nature-based disaster films, which I'm surprised aren't coming out again now. Do you remember things like where the one doctor was going to convert every one of the snakes to avert, um, you know, the destruction of nature or frogs, where frogs took over entire communities. Or Night of the Lepus, even better, where rabbits took over. Nope. Don't I remember have, those. Okay. I remember, like, The Swarm. Yes. Um, I remember... Um, that's it. That's what I got. We had very entertaining but drastically divergent childhoods. We mostly read books at my house. Mm. I read a lot of books. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't watch TV. I wasn't allowed to watch TV. So I read a lot of books too. But every Friday night there was this TV station that had like someone who hosted really bad movies every Friday, and Mom and I used to stay up late and watch them together and eat popcorn. No, we weren't allowed to watch TV except on the weekends. And then Thursday night we watched three shows. We watched Mr. Merlin and. Two other ones. Wow. Well, I apologize. Anyone out there, though, if you're ever interested, look those up. They're, they're hilarious 1970s statement on we must preserve nature. They weren't wrong. They were just hilarious about it. What do you think about, like, the Poseidon adventure? I mean, that's not, it's totally derailing what you were saying, but. That's okay. I mean, we're talking 70s, so I have to think about, like, the Poseidon adventure for sure. It was really, really good. Um, Shelly Winters. Yeah, Shelly Winters. Can't go wrong with her. Oh, I know, right? It was uh, was actually a very, very well done disaster movie, I thought. Of course, I haven't seen it in years, but as a kid, I was like, this is phenomenal. 
and it, didn't remake, and it wasn't as good. There's a shocker. And then there was Airport and Airport 75, you know, oh, airplane crashing into the airport movies. Like, that doesn't even seem like that big of a big deal. Like, I know, given what, so can, given what they can do now. Right? That was, like, the worst. But there were some Earthquake movies that were big deals back then. Just There was one just called Earthquake, and it was like, oh, my God, there's an earthquake. I kind of remember that. And pardon me while I look that up, because I'm trying to remember something is... Charlton Heston. Of course. Lauren Green. And then there was that other dude that was in, like, all the things. And Ava Gardner. Yeah. You know, someone once told my mother she looked like Ava Gardner. Oh, gosh. And George Kennedy, of course. George Kennedy, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah. Oh, he my was, gosh. He was in all the disaster movies. Like, he was the Ian Searing of... of <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Holy crap. Totally an aside, but my favorite movie ever that George Kennedy was in, aside from the Naked Gun movies. Um, oh, my God. I just forgot the name of it. Carrie Grant and you have charade. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's my gosh. Because when he went up and stuck the pin in the corpse to see if the guy was actually dead or not, and Audrey Hepburn goes, <gasps> that just cracked me the fuck up. I'm yeah. Busted. But, yeah. Oh, my Did gosh. Did you see? Okay. So since away from charade and back to Earthquake, did you see the movie Sorry. The Core with the Hillary Swank? You know, I... <laughs> I am an, an elitist bitch sometimes because the very concept of that movie so pissed me off. I could not even watch it to laugh at it. And I love to watch oh. movies to laugh at them. This was a, this was fun, though. It was a good movie. I'll make you watch it when you come to my house. Oh, but it's scientifically so fucked up. So. But they explain all of that. I know, but there's suspension of disbelief, and then there's, um, you know... Dude, you about a dude named Frog, or Hell, <laughs> or something like that? Who Sam goes Hell. And no, he doesn't. thought that was fine? No, he's trying to save the human women from the frog people. There's a big difference. Uh-huh. And that's not scientifically problematic no, for you? It knows uh-huh. what it's doing. Nope. It, it's when they're nope. scientifically problematic, but they're earnest about it that I get irritated. Okay. They're earnest about this one, too. They're not earnest about Hell Comes to Frogtown. They knew exactly what the hell they were doing. Yeah, but the thing is, like, think about first Sharknado. We're going back to this. In the beginning, they were trying to make an actual movie about a Sharknado. Okay. And then when everybody I'm... made fun of it, they're like, oh, let's be kitschy. I may watch the core with you, but I will totally MST3K that thing the whole way through. Obviously, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> okay. That's in watching that kind of movie. Duh. Just so we're clear. Okay. Fine. I feel I feel much better now. I'm in. Next time I come down, that's what we'll do. Because let me just tell you, the answer is a nuke. <laughs> no way. When has the nuke ever been an answer to anything? I know. Well, sometimes it is. It was it was not an answer in Ice Twisters, I don't think, though. Oh, that's kind of shocking. You know, I think it might have been... I No, that can't be right. I thought for a minute it might have been Ice Twisters we watched while I was trying to match your socks. Might have been. 
Might have been. Was it a Battle Twister movie? Because I liked that one. <laughs> it could have been. Lou Diamond oh, Phillips. You can't go wrong, man. I don't remember Lou Diamond Phillips being in it, so I'm thinking it might have been the the Ice Twister movie. I think that might have been a Baldwin. You know, there's a shocker. There was a time when I had a huge crush on Stephen Baldwin. Really? That was in the 80s when he did the very short-lived TV series The Young Writers with Josh Brolin. So, did you ever see the movie Ice Quake? I did not, and I am intrigued. Please tell. Well, this one is about, like, in Alaska, there's some problems because, you know, global warming. And, yeah. per, and I do believe global warming is an actual truth. It's, you know. Me too. Technically, global warming is called climate change. It has to do with, like, how you change the temperature of the oceans, all that stuff. Whatever. You guys don't have yeah. to believe it. I totally buy it. Yeah. Science. Um, so... Underneath Alaska, the permafrost is starting to melt, and because it's melting, um, as it's thawing, it's creating, like, underground rivers. Please tell me that all the animals that were frozen in place are coming to life and attacking people. Oh, no, that's not what happens. Damn it. Okay. What happens, what had happened was, um, there's these underground rivers, but some of the rivers become liquid methane. Ooh. Mm-hmm. You can interesting right so they have to stop the rivers before there's catastrophic explosions <laughs> oh my gosh you know they should just harness that shit to generate power yeah you would think you would think moving on so we both grew up in the 80s right yes there's a disaster movie from the 80s that to this day i've not had the guts to watch and it's partially because I had too many nightmares about it while we were at the tail end of the Cold War. Let me guess. It's, mm-hmm. Is it the day after? It is. Did you watch it? My grandpa was in it. What? Yeah. No. Back the fuck up. The grandpa that looked like Hemingway? Yeah. Of course he was. Because he did fucking everything. Okay, so. They filmed me a part of it in a little town in Kansas where he lived. Holy shit. Okay. That's nuts. So what was he in it? Was he an extra? Did he have a speaker? He was just an extra. He was just an extra. That's fucking but awesome. But still, it was really cool. Yeah, I watched it. I have. And I was terrified just like you. Like back in the 80s, that was one of my prime fears is nuclear annihilation. Like that was, yeah. I would go to bed and totally freak out about that at night. Mm. I had one nightmare, and this is one of the reasons why I can never watch that movie. I had a nightmare where my brother and I, we knew there was a bomb dropping near us. And my brother and I went outside and stood in the front lawn with our arms out, just waiting to die immediately because Mm -hmm. we wanted to die quick. And we didn't. And we were horrified. And I was like 11 when I had that dream. And I was so mad that I did not immediately die. I always knew if I was... I, I decided a long time ago, you know, we, I grew up in Michigan and I decided that if there was some sort of, Hey, there's bombs coming and we would have known cause we would have had a couple hours of notice that it was coming towards us. Mm-hmm. I would have driven towards the next biggest city, which would have been Detroit. And I would have gotten as close as I could. Like yeah. just knew I didn't want to live through that because oh, yeah. I saw the day after and it was all about how to live past that and what happens next and nuclear fallout and all of that shit. That sounded terrible. Oh, 
I know, right? Oh my gosh. So I'm really glad that that part, <laughs> for a while at least, was over. I know, I know. Now I'm worried we're getting right back to it, aren't we? I'm having those dreams again, by the way, and I'm pissed off. I don't think we're going to get back to it. I think the rest of the world is too savvy and too smart to let that happen. Yeah, here's hoping. Yeah. Not because I said anything that merited it. Just because that's a scary thought. Mm -hmm. um, Thank you for that divergence. (laughs) And let's pick everyone up now that I've depressed every single fucking listener out there. (laughs) I'm very good at that. Let's talk about... Since we're talking about that kind of thing, let's talk about Atomic Train. Did you ever see that one? No, I didn't. Oh, but I am intrigued once again. Rob Lowe, Kristen of Davis. Course. Kristen Davis? Yeah, it was actually a miniseries. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But it was basically a train that was filled with, like, there was a Russian bomb on the train, and it was headed for Denver. And something happened, and they couldn't um, get it to, like, something happened to the brakes or something, and they had to figure out how to get the train to stop. Um, All right, let me pull it up on IMDb. Okay. Okay. So there was a Russian bomb that they were transporting, and an employee decided to save money by concealing it on just a normal freight train. They just, like, put it on a normal train, and they're like, whatever, man. And so the train also happened to be loaded with hazardous and flammable chemicals, suffered a brake failure, and became a runaway train heading for Denver. And it would have been bad enough just just to be a normal wreck, but because if the bomb goes off and now there's all this extra flammable shit, so the Denver residents are, like, trying to leave town, and there's rioters, and there's gridlock, and are they going to derail the train in, like, western Kansas, or what are they going to do? So that was a good one. So um, Charlotte York and Chris Traeger made a movie about nukes. I don't know who Chris Traeger is. Oh, I, he was that was Rob Lowe's character on Parks and Rec. Sorry. Oh, okay, my, sure. My <laughs> I didn't I didn't see him on Parks and Rec because I didn't tune in until later, and I only watched it a few times. I admit, I don't watch a lot of TV. I mostly watch Netflix. <laughs> That's okay. That has that has its benefits. And I don't know. <laughs> Sam was his name on West Wing. Sam something. Ah, you know. Oh, his name on Wayne's World was Benjamin Oliver, but that's not what What's his name on West Wing? I am looking. Um, Sam. Oh, yeah. Totally forgot he was in the Orville. Okay. Was he? Yeah, um, he was the, the alien that um, Kelly had an affair with that broke up their marriage. Oh, I, it was very subversive because he was all blue. Okay. First season of West Wing. Okay. Oh gosh, I'm taking too long to look There's this up. Sam Seaborn. That was his name. There we go. Awesome. Sam Seaborn. Yay. He quit the West Wing because he thought he was going to be, you know, he he thought, well, now I've made it big again, and then he sunk. I bet he and David Caruso have awesome drinks together. I hope they do. <laughs> I hope they do too. And I did you ever watch that David Caruso show with the? It was like the, the one of, what's the one in Las Vegas with Gil Grissom and the yes. crime? Yes, CSI, CSI Miami. 
So CSI Miami is David Caruso. It's like the stupidest CSI. Like I can't even watch it. It's so stupid. And I love CSI. I know it had one of uh, a character. The minute I saw that their like medical examiner was this chick I used to watch on General Hospital or some shit like that all the time, who I loved on that show. But I was like, oh, honey. Oh, honey. Yeah, she was bad. I felt bad for her. And um, also the girl who was she was also on West Wing. The girl that played Ainsley Hayes on West Wing was in that. She's cute. I'm oh like, gosh, I'm sorry. And then the guy who ended up leaving CSI to go to Criminal Minds, which is my favorite of the crime drama shows because it's the best one. Um, yeah. But Rob Lowe, I'm sorry. And David Caruso. Like, I don't know why he thought he was hot. He wasn't even I, No. Yeah, and, and I don't know if you remember that um, Wayne's World was kind of like part of Rob Lowe's big comeback. Yeah. Um, but he played the record producer in there, and that just right. still cracks me up to this day. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Okay. But yes, he had to, like, waddle off stage. I was like, why are you doing this, Rob Lowe? You used to be so good. I know. Every time he has an opportunity to be, like, truly successful, he's like, I'm big now. Bye. Uh, you know, some people are just their own fucking worst enemies. Yeah, they are. Much like oh, I used God. to be. Okay. What else we got? What else we got, my doll? So what do you think about ice movies? Are you like, okay, what about like the whole apocalypse stuff? Like, did you see 2012? I did not see 2012, believe it or not. Really? Even though John, John Cusack, Cusack and Jake Gyllenhaal? I mean, I know. you go wrong. And John Cusack is my jam. I was, I, I was so totally in love with him in the 80s. You and Rexy are going to have to fight over him, though. I know. I, I, and I, don't, I totally dig John Cusack myself, but I'll let you guys take him. Fair enough. I, I have the feeling I'd lose. I don't think I'd fare well in a fight. I think she could totally take you. <laughs> Damn straight, Rexy could take me. I think, you know, I, 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 always, I was always afraid of my 96-year-old grandmother. I knew she could take me. Yeah, well, so, she was a total bitch. She was a badass bitch, but she was a bitch. That's the operative word. We want to be talking about different grandmas because I don't think we're talking about the same one. Because I would never call your other grandma a badass. You know, she had her she had her moments of badassery because she was a damn hard worker and she lived through the depression and she did a lot of stuff. But it also made her bitter as fuck. So just living through the depression doesn't qualify you as a badass. A lot of people live through the depression. Mm -hmm. Just not dying doesn't mean you're a badass. You didn't die. You don't get to be a badass. But I think she was such a badass, death was scared shitless ever and wouldn't go near her for way too long. Mm, I agree with that. But again, I digress. Well, okay, here's a badass thing. You said I digress, we got a drink again. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Mm. I'm my dad. Wasted. Oh, me too. It's awesome. Oh, darn. I broke my promise to John DeBritt. I broke my promise to John DeBritt not to drink too much. Um, but no. She was badass because she and my dad fucking hated each other. They could still work together. And that takes a level of badassery on both of their parts. Yes, although my dad, Although my dad was far more of a badass than my grandma. Oh, but absolutely. I, what other apocalypse movies are there? Well, I believe you mentioned ice ones. Have we fully discussed the complete and utter clusterfuck that is Avalanche? Or should we just move on past that? No, let's go for it. I don't think I saw Avalanche because I think it was a little too mainstream for me. I prefer like the really 
like B and C class movies. Uh, like when I'm sick, that's what I watch. See, Avalanche is one of those that, and um, let's get my friend. Were actual actors in it, or was it like Lou Diamond Phillips kind of actors? <laughs> there Lou were Phillips, no, no slight intended. Like I, I understand that you're an actor and you're a real actor and all of that stuff, but. You even you must admit that you have fallen from your height of you know La Bamba fame to oh my. you know Metal La Tornado. La Bamba breaks my heart in the best way. It was such a beautiful day. movie, and he did a magnificent job. He really did. Yeah, and but I no, I'm an actor, but and I think he's like kind of underrated because I think he could do a lot of things, but I think he kind of got pinched into like a particular slot of this is what I do. So, and maybe he just wants to not work super hard. And I think that's cool if you don't want to. Oh, damn straight. If that's, that's your jam and you can do that well and be that awesome and not work that hard. Fuck yeah, do it. I don't know what movies pay. Like, I don't, this is not even, I'm not even talking to you anymore, Lou Diamond Phillips. I don't know what movies pay, but if there was like a movie that I could be in a couple of times a year that paid like, I don't know, $50,000 a year. $50,000 a movie and it was like a shitty ass movie and I had to work for two months doing it and I had to be out in the middle of the desert or in the jungle and I had to get mosquito bites and whatever I would do it I would do that for two months for $50,000 and I would just be fine and I would do that twice a year and I would be happy you know what okay so very quickly one of the best things I've seen um Lou Diamond Phillips in he was awesome. The whole thing was awesome, even though it was completely nuts. And I swear it still fits the theme, post-apocalyptic disaster thing. What is it? Have you have you seen the video for Radioactive by the Imagine Dragons? No. It's puppet-based. Like, <laughs> puppet fights. And Lou Diamond Phillips is in it? He is. He's like the ringmaster of all the puppet fights. And he kind of rocks it. And it's got that girl who was in um, the uh, Jim Reardon movie-based books. I don't even know what uh, that is, a Jim Reardon movie. Um, oh, gosh. What were the books? They were. It, it was a Harry Potter ripoff series of books. No offense to Jim Reardon. I apologize. Was it the uh, Lightning Thief, Percy Lightning Jackson? Lightning Thief. Yes. The girl who, Annabelle, I can't remember her name. She's but she's, Hold on, she's, I'll look her up. She's an awesome actress, too. She was, like, the main character in that, but Lou Diamond Phillips was, like, the ringleader of where the puppet fights occurred. It was, it's a trippy-ass oh, video. Yeah. Her? I know who she is. Trippy-ass video. They were both in it, and they both rocked it. And it's a, po- like I said, post-apocalyptic puppet fight. What's not to love? I like when you can't really say it. Yeah, her? that's where I'm. Sandra Daddario. Oh, there we go. Um, she's cute. She was. In, she's been in a bunch of these kind of movies. I know, right? So what Who was she in? She was in. Okay, she was in San Andreas. That was an excellent movie because The Rock. Hello, I have an oh affinity for The Rock. Damn straight. Holy shit! If you know, that's one of the reasons why I have to see Shaw and Hobbs so bad. I agree. Because The Rock. And Steven? I will tell you what. Don't see it until you come to visit me. And you and I will see it together. We'll rent it. We'll buy it on iTunes. Whatever. We will see that together. Because nobody will see it with me either. 
I will I will see that with you. Because The Rock and Jason Statham and Idris Elba, hello. My God, it's like the perfection trifecta of male hotness. I know, right? Oh, I'm a big fan of movies where shit blows up. Like, that's the movie. If I'm going to go to the movies, I pretty much want to see shit blowing up. That's why I loved, and I know we talked about this before, that's why I loved Stuber. That movie was amazing. Oh, my gosh. And Dave Batista, he's not so bad, except the spray on hair, but that was okay. No, that's okay, but you know, I gotta admit, I've got a little bit of a thing for Drax the Destroyer, not gonna lie. Yeah, he's not bad. I prefer Star-Lord, as you can tell by the background. Star-Lord right next to Han Solo. I know, and okay, my top boyfriends. Chris Pratt, who the fuck isn't going to be all over that? Agreed. Although... Even in the Sandy Dwyer days, I was all about fucking Chris Pratt. So what was I talking about? Yeah, oh, yeah so Avalanche. Think, yeah, Avalanche. You were telling me about Avalanche. I'm sorry. So I got to read I think. I feel like that was a long time ago, but whatever. It was a long time ago, but I have to... It, it was... It was so fucking crazy. I'm going to read the synopsis from... Oh, maybe I'm not going to read that synopsis from IMDb because it's way too fucking long. Um, Just summarize it. Don't read the whole thing. Just summarize it. Okay. So, like, Mia Farrow's divorced from Rock Hudson um, and runs into her former mother-in-law, Rock Hudson's mother, who... Spoiler alert! Nice! Robinson um, is a hottie. He was a stone cold hottie. Oh my gosh, handsome as fuck. But he's I don't another person. Gay. He is all kinds of hot. I know. I mean, beautiful chiseled features, everything. Rock Hudson picked up where Cary Grant left off and pulled it forward. Yeah, it went Cary Grant, Rock Hudson, George Clooney. George Clooney. So Mia Farrow is Rock Hudson's ex-wife. She comes to the ski resort. There's warnings from Robert Forrester that some shit might go down, but no one listens, of course, because I think I want to say Robert Forrester was uh, he was a nature photographer. So, of course, he's far more in tune with everything going on than anything else. And anyway, this avalanche of course happens while they're trying to do all this stuff and build up the ski resort and everything and it all goes to fucking hell right anyway that's as good a synopsis as any isn't it yeah uh you know like a ski lift chair um, (laughs) falls away everything that could go wrong could go wrong but uh it goes wrong but it for some reason Okay, I know there are movies that you're supposed to look at them and go, oh, no, I hope they're okay. But that was one that I specifically, I specifically remember watching late at night with mom and going, ha, 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 those people are idiots. <laughs> and there we go. I love so, that story. I know. That's always my favorite. What about, what about wave movies, like tidal wave movies? Did you ever see, like, Killer Wave? Um I've not seen Killer Way, but you know what's coming out soon that I'm actually very excited about. We may have to watch together. What? Tsunami zombies. <gasps> no zombies. Zombies. Okay. So I admit, I went and saw the zombie movie with Bill Murray and um, Chloe Sevigny and um, Kylo Ren. <laughs> what's his name? Adam Driver. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. That was the longest, most boringest movie ever. What was that? Uh, uh, I don't understand why zombies are such a problem for people because they change so slowly. I feel like it's something you could just take a car and a really big hatchet and just like boom, 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 and it would be done. So was it Zombieland Double Tap? Nope, um, that's the new one. That's the, the one with uh, Woody Harrelson that's coming out. So plain old Zombieland. No, that was Zombie. That was the first one with Woody Harrelson. Zombieland, the dead don't die. Dead don't die. Okay. That was so boring. And it it was like 17 hours long. But did Rex get laid? That's what we want to know. She did. There we go. That's all that matters then, right? Indeed. But <laughs> in the grand scheme, like, I don't want to go see. I don't, like, zombies aren't, I don't get why zombies are scary. You, you should know, be able to just, like, cut their heads off and be done. I think it depends on the zombie, because I, I got to admit, zombie tsunami, or tsunami zombies, whatever it is, sci-fi, right? So it could be either right. way. That is intriguing me, especially since our buddy Ian Searing is in it. Yeah, it's like a sharknado of, zo- of zombies. Yeah, but another movie, kind of disaster, post-apocalyptic kind of thing. Have you seen, oh gosh, okay, I suddenly forgot the name of it, Anna and... The I'm I'm being Anna and the Apocalypse. Have you seen it? Nope. It's a British musical zombie movie, and I kid you not, it's actually really fucking good. There's some things to laugh at, but it's actually really good. It's about a high school girl, or the British equivalent of high school girl, who just is bored as shit with life and zombies start cropping up all over the place and she and her friends are totally oblivious to it for a while until it finally starts dawning on them oh shit the world's ending and it's a musical really yeah it's pretty cool so i enjoyed it sincerely i'm not gonna lie it was fun but then i'm weird i'm not sure how i feel about that again i'm not into zombie movies Mm. They're not really. Yeah, they're not really um, realistic. Because <laughs> you know, drilling to the core of the earth and setting off a nuke in order to correct the spin of the core—that's totally realistic. Because otherwise, so... um, you know. I'm so not gonna call you on her, on your hypocrisy right now for giving me shit about the core. Thank you. Just so you know. No problem. I'm oh, telling you, though, that movie <laughs> is realistic because the birds fell out of the sky. Uh, oh, well, there we go. That, that makes all the difference, <laughs> doesn't it? Your face was can... awesome just then. <laughs> oh, well, there we go. <laughs> well, if you insist. Now that was amazing. Oh, good that lord. That was amazing. Another disaster movie. I'm trying to think. Because I'm all about horror movies and sci-fi and post-apocalyptic shit. But straight out disaster, I don't do as often. You are kind of the queen, aren't you, Jill? I live for that shit. I so do. Okay, so Killer Wave <laughs> was one that I really liked. Um, <laughs> I Like I said, I still have half of my drink left. But I had a, 
full. No, but I did have a bourbon drink beforehand because I wanted to try that fat wash bourbon that I'll tell you about if you'd like to hear about it because it's pretty cool. Well, yeah, um, you tried it? Um, well, I tried it, but I don't think it worked out very well. So what fat wash bourbon is, <laughs> because I don't think I let it sit long enough. So basically for fat washed bourbon, you take your bourbon and you take like bacon fat or you can use sesame oil or you could use olive oil or you could use whatever you want to use in whatever base spirit you want to use. Um, for this particular exercise, I chose bourbon and bacon fat. Um, I took the bacon fat and I put it in the bourbon and I just let it sit for a couple hours, but I don't think I let it sit long enough. Then you take it, you let it sit at room temperature, then you take it and put it in the fridge and let the fat get really nice and congealed so you can dump it out and um, it strains out the fat and then your alcohol just retains the flavors because the molecules from the fat separate into and they attach themselves to the molecules of the alcohol as the fat is warmed to room temperature. So then you can take that alcohol and put it with whatever you choose. So I made myself a fat washed bourbon um, old fashioned where I took the bourbon and then I took maple syrup instead of simple syrup and mixed that together and made that with my bitters and had a, like a really nice old fashioned out of the pool. And it was pretty good, but I couldn't really taste the bacon. So I decided that since Rexy's coming over tomorrow and Millie is having a couple of her friends, Dakota and her, her other friend, Abby is coming over. And so probably I'm going to have to take them to the mall or something. <laughs> and I thought with that many children, I'm going to need some booze at the end of the day. And <laughs> so we're going to do that. True story. So I went ahead and made the fat wash bourbon. It's sitting, I'm going to let it sit overnight and then I'm going to chill it tomorrow for most of the day. So it like really congeals nice and heavy. And then when I strain it out, it'll be really, really delicious. And the dolls, you just got a bonus recipe. Don't say we never gave you nothing. No, <laughs> uh-huh. that sounds okay. Uh, sorry. Bacon and bourbon are two of the best things ever. So that has to be good. Right with the maple syrup is so good. And it did taste pretty good. Just the bourbon with the maple syrup was pretty good. And you could have just the tiniest hint of the bacon if you really, like, used your imagination. Mm. Nice. So I think tomorrow it'll be extra delicious. And um, so we're going to let it sit overnight. It'll be a good by tomorrow. Anyway, back to the show about the killer wave. Yes. All right. So basically, here's what happens. The East Coast gets this, like, natural disaster what happens normally after a major earthquake, um, it's a tsunami. And um, so there's this giant tsunami. It's headed for the East Coast, which is, you know, if you think about like the Ring of Fire on the West Coast, they're used to having earthquakes and tsunamis and stuff like that. And they're kind of a little bit prepared for it, but the East Coast isn't. So they have to figure out what they're going to do. Um, and during the course of this, like the main guy gets like, I think he gets set up for murder or something like that. Somebody's like chasing him for murder. Um, (laughs) So they had to add that in there, but it has to do with something. I, if I remember correctly, it had something to do with um, 
there was like a the bad guy was like a building tycoon dude and he like somehow engineered this to happen so his buildings would be more valuable or something like that anyway it was a good movie. killer way it always has to be either you know an industrialist or government wonk because that's the way those movies work yeah absolutely Oh, it's gotta be somebody gosh. somebody's gotta take the fall for it damn straight do you think the abyss qualifies as one of those kind of movies i oh, you know it's not a disaster per se it's not a disaster but it's impending disaster in some ways isn't it it is one of my all-time favorite i consider it sci-fi and it's one of my Definitely all-time sci-fi. One of my all-time favorite sci-fi movies, because, okay, Ed Harris, while we're talking about beautiful men. Yeah. I don't think Ed Harris is all that. (laughs) Ed Harris is full of of sexy, damn it. Okay, I like bald men. Can we just go with that? Okay. That's because you like bald dudes. (laughs) Okay. I guess I do, because I'm sorry, Ed Harris, Bruce Willis, Jason Statham. Tell me bald Bruce Willis was... Kind of good looking, though. But it was more his attitude than his actual looks. He wasn't all that good looking when you, like, look at it as a girl. Well, what man is good looking as a girl? Well, there are some. Never mind. There are some. Look at Patrick Swayze. Look at um, John Leguizamo. Dude, yeah. They did a phenomenal Right, Julie Newmar. Hello. Because, okay, but another thing. When does Patrick Swayze ever not look fucking hot? Did I tell you about the time I met him? Motherfucker, is there any celebrity you didn't meet? <laughs> no, there's totally a lot. Okay. But one time I was babysitting, and the people that I was babysitting lived in this little area in San Antonio, and they said that um, it was possible that a producer would be stopping by because they were getting ready to film a film down there and they were looking for locations for the film. And so doorbell rang. I answered the door. It was Patrick Swayze. (laughs) He hung out with me until the actual producer got there. So we like talked for 45 minutes or so just in the kitchen after I had, I had already put the kids to bed, the kid, there was only one kid at the time. Um, I had already put the kid to bed um, she was sleeping. He and I just sat in the kitchen and talked for like 45 minutes. And then the producer got there and the three of us sat there and talked. And I showed him around the house a little bit, showed him around the outside of the house. And, uh, yeah. And then Patrick Swayze was like, well, my wife and I are going to be at this other place later on. If you want to show up, it would be really fun. I didn't go. It was, what? I was, well, I was scared to go. That was weird. It'd be like weird to show up and be like, all. Hey, I met him when I was babysitting. Can I come in? Oh, but he obviously liked you or he wouldn't have done that. He doesn't seem like a person who would just go. He, I, I could see him as a person who would be polite, but not someone who would have fucking fight you out if he didn't think you were quality, you stupid bitch. Holy <laughs> shit. Jill. Yeah, fuck, so I talked to him for like 45 minutes. It was super awesome and he was really, really nice. Oh, I was about to say, please tell me he was as nice as he always seemed like he would he was be. was absolutely as nice as he was. And he was actually really quite funny, and he seemed very smart. Like, in the sh- in the movies and stuff, he never actually seemed super smart to me. Like, he always seemed kind of like, mm, 
marginally intelligent, but he was actually very smart and well-spoken. Oh, motherfucker. You see, the best I got is I got kicked off a trolley car once by Ted Kennedy. I don't have this shit in my life. That counts. Ted Kennedy counts. I know, but it was like, he looked at me and said, you have to leave now. And I was all, okay, because I was scared shitless. Okay, I have one more movie to talk about. Okay, hit me. Hit me, Jill. It is called Magma. Oh, my Lord. You mean there was something besides Dante's Peak and Volcano? Lava Storm. Magma, Lava Storm. And guess who's in it? Motherfucker. Ian Searing. Ian Searing. And a bunch of other people that I never heard of. But basically, the situation... Here, let me tell you about the sitch. So. <laughs> I'm dead. So the sitch is Ian Ziering and his wife both work at like the 911 center. <laughs> and they find out that there's this big old lava storm and they have to save his dad. All right. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, magma. Love a story. Love a storm. Anyway, so basically, here's the thing. Ian Ziering. Is his name Ian Ziering or Ian Ziering? I think it's Ian, I think. I I always said Ian. I have friends whose name was spelled that way, and it was Ian, so whatever. Um, There we go. He and his wife worked at an emergency response center, and from what I remember, they were, like, having problems in their marriage, of course. So um, they were having problems. Um, they survived the initial lava storms, but they had to save him and their his father and their kids. And they had to find a way to slow, like they, as the emergency responding, like the 911 center people, had to find a way to slow this natural disaster and save humanity and the earth. <laughs> only people who work in call centers are capable of doing right, that. Right, right. You can't actually trust the firefighters and scientists and people like that. So, you know, they found all their friends dead and there was this volcanic up upwelling from underground. And, you know, they had, but they had to do it. And during the whole thing, they found out what family really means. <laughs> they did because no relationship lasts like one formed in adversity absolutely that's I how you really love each other that's how I decided that you know getting married in a high stress situation is why my first marriage worked out so damn well anyway yeah. I digress. that was good oh you digress I'm gonna drink again because I still have a little left haha go you I slugged mine down too hard and fast okay Oh my gosh. Anyway, so that's my I, last. Piece. I really this this is tough. that's the last genre, the magma slash earthquake slash volcano movies. What about? Uh, let me ask really quick though. What about the things like Stephen King's The Stand and disaster movies where it's about disease? Do you think those are akin to these or are they separate? I think they totally count. Um, I, I, I absolutely think they count because uh, although I will also say that I would read the book 90 more times before I watch the miniseries again, even if Gary Sinise <laughs> did Rocket. Even if you pay me. <laughs> I know. Although, okay, Gary Sinise and Laura Sangiacomo were amazing in that. Everyone else I could have tossed. 
So, well, no, okay, Ruby D was in that, wasn't she? She was also amazing, but she's Ruby D. So yeah, she's Ruby D, and she's a hundred years old. So, yeah, but dude, I think totally counts, and um, you know, the stand is remains one of my favorite books to this day. It's amazing. I know. I know you really like that one. That's why I asked about it. You're very kind about that. But yeah, I think disease, because it's apocalypse, it's it's just as likely as nuking somebody. There was a lot of disease movies. A lot of times they end up with nukes, though. Yeah. <laughs> I I haven't seen it, but I always kind of crack up at the concept of the disease movie where Gwyneth Paltrow dies toward the very beginning. And I just kind of want to scream at her and go, it's because conscience uncoupling is not a thing. <laughs> Yeah, but she was married to Tony Stark. Yeah. Yeah, which is why I still give her credit where credit's due. And she was phenomenal in that one scene in Endgame, which makes me fucking cry every time. Yeah, true. She rocked that so perfectly. And I'm like, she's a great actress. Not going to deny that. But it doesn't make conscience uncoupling a thing. I agree. I agree with that. Speaking of disasters. <laughs> anyway. Well, um, <laughs> I think we've pretty thoroughly explored this topic. What do you think? I think I've gotten preachy enough. We probably ought to call it. <laughs> I think we probably should. I mean, you didn't talk about your tits, but you were close. <laughs> <laughs> harkening, back to, harkening back to an earlier episode. Very astute of you, my doll. Okay. <laughs> Even though we're preachy bitches, we want to thank you for listening to us every week. Our website's alwaysneverwrite.com, and you can always see our topics for each episode along with what we're drinking. And there's links to our Facebook page and Instagram and Twitter and all that on the Contact Us page of alwaysneverwrite.com. And sorry, and if you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button and tell your friends about us too. Um, and if you have a few moments and like what you hear, we would love some feedback on Apple Podcasts or whatever you listen through. Yeah, absolutely. It would be really helpful for us. This has been a disastrous episode of Always. <laughs> Never. Right. I'm Jill. And I'm Gina, and thank you so much for making us a part of your week. And we'll talk again more next week, medals. Standard disclaimer. Always Never Write is in no way, shape, or form performed or produced by professional advice givers. We've just lived a lot. So if any of our life experiences prove useful, we're happy to share, especially if we can share in an entertaining way. But if you have serious problems, please see a therapist, doctor, psychiatrist, life coach, or someone who is actually trained to know what the hell they're doing when passing out advice. Also, please note that most names and the descriptions of many events have been modified to both make things more entertaining and to protect the innocent, the not-so-innocent, and the flat-out guiltiest sin assholes.